0: A cottage on the rocky shoreline with knotty pine floorboards and windows that are nearly always open. The smell of evergreens and brine wafting in on the breeze, and white linen drapes lifting in a lazy dance. The burble of a coffee maker, and that first deep pull of cold ocean air as we step out onto the flagstone patio, steaming mugs in hand. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Bestseller where we read and rate the latest book at the top of the New York Times hardcover fiction list. 20 minutes with us and you'll know whether to read it or re-gift it. I'm Barbara.
1: And I'm Brian. Today we're reviewing Happy Place by Emily Henry, number one for the third week in a row on May 28th, 2023.
0: Before we get to our number one, what else is happening on the list this week?
1: Two books dropped off after just a single week on the list. The Ferryman by Justin Cronin and Summer on Sag Harbor by Sonny Hostin. Gone after six weeks is Hang the Moon by Jeanette Walls. Also leaving after three weeks is the somewhat controversial It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover.
0: Controversial?
1: Yeah, a lot of discussion about whether it romanticizes domestic abuse. And now there's this debacle over the coloring book tie-in.
0: They made a coloring book of a domestic violence story? Uh,
1: It was canceled. The, The coloring book, not Colleen Hoover. We don't need to worry about Colleen being canceled. Her book sold better than the Bible last year. And that's not a figure of speech. She literally sold more than the Bible.
0: More popular than God.
1: Well. As they say. And she still owns the trade paperback list. She's got six books on that list this week. Guess which is number one?
0: It ends with us. Good guess. Any new books on the hardcover list this week?
1: A couple. At number five, we've got Queen Charlotte by Julia Quinn and Shonda Rhimes. That's the Bridgerton series. And guess who's published his first novel and debuted at number two?
0: Mm, have no idea. Jerry Springer?
1: What? <laughs> Jerry Springer's dead.
0: Well, that doesn't stop you from publishing. <laughs> it might even help sales.
1: Okay, fair enough. But it, no, it was not Jerry Springer. Okay. Not even close. It was Tom Hanks. Really? Yeah, he's got a, a new book out, and it's got a great, really long title, The Making of Another Major Motion Picture Masterpiece. That's the title? Yeah. Even more impressive for someone who's not actually a writer so far, there's no ghost writer listed. He's ghosting the ghost. <laughs>
0: Good for him. All right, and good for you. Well, but let's talk about our new number one. What do we know about the author?
1: Emily Henry, 32-year-old writer, grew up in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Ooh. Yeah, not far from where we record. She lives there now with her husband and their dog. What kind of dog? Uh, we need to look that up.
0: Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's our dog.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Finn.
0: She studied writing at Hope College and at the New York Center for Art and Media Studies and began her writing career in 2016, publishing four young mm. adult novels. She recently switched to adult fiction, publishing four romances with travel or vacation themes. She told the New York Times that, quote, a book is already built to be a kind of vacation, which I thought was an interesting insight.
1: Yeah. Vacation stories to read while on vacation. It it reminds me of Kramer, you know, that character in Seinfeld. He (laughs) he published a coffee table book about coffee tables. I remember that. Yeah.
0: She's doing great with
1: this niche. Establishing a beachhead on the beach read. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure I really get the concept. Why read about somebody else's vacation while you're on your own? Isn't that like people who go out to eat and spend the whole meal talking about other restaurant meals they've had? (laughs) Can we focus on the meal in front of us?
0: No, but I get it. If I'm on vacation with nothing fun to read, I'm thinking about work. So a vacation story on vacation equals perfect.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll take that. So let's talk about the book.
0: So Happy Place is 385 pages, which is a perfect vacation length, by mm. the way, and it's published by Berkeley. The author is represented by Holly Root at Root Literary. The audiobook is 11 hours and 3 minutes, read by Julia Whalen.
1: So we've been looking at the gender of the readership. What would you guess for this one? is? Uh, women? The gender of the readership for this book is 100% female, which is a first. 100%? Which makes me, I guess, the the one and only male who's read the book. I feel special.
0: You are special if you actually did read it.
1: I can prove it.
0: All right. Then what's the story?
1: Easy. There's a main character, Harriet Kilpatrick. She's doing a surgical residency at the University of California, San Francisco.
0: That's not what the book is about.
1: No, no of course not. This is a vacation book. Right. You know, like a soap opera, you never actually see anyone working. Got it. I'm just setting out the characters. There's Harriet, the medical student, and her two best friends from college, Sabrina, an attorney, and Cleo, an organic farmer.
0: Who we also never see working either.
1: Correct. The three, Cleo, Sabrina, and Harriet, the main character, are still best friends, even though they're, I forget, seven, eight years out of college, something at least that much. They still go on vacations together regularly, usually to a cottage in Maine owned by Sabrina's father. Over the years, this friend group has expanded. So now we have Sabrina's boyfriend, Parth, who's also an attorney. Cleo's girlfriend, Kimmy, who farms with her. And Harriet's fiance and the love of her life, Wyndham Connor, who's called Wynn. He's a Montana boy who builds custom furniture.
0: Okay, now I believe you've read it.
1: Well, thank you for that.
0: So the story problem is pretty simple. Harriet and Wynn broke up five months before the story, mm-hmm. story starts. But she hasn't told their friend group yet. She couldn't bear to tell them. She's been invited to the main cottage for their usual summer holiday, and when she gets there, who does she find? Jerry Springer? Very funny.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought it was.
0: When is there. He's just there in the cottage.
1: Awkward. But not impossible. Just fess up. Tell everyone they're broken up.
0: Except for two little things. One, this is going to be their last hurrah and their happy place because Sabrina's father is selling the cottage. Okay. And two, it turns out that Sabrina and Parth have decided to get married and they want to do it that week at the cottage. So Harriet and Wynne put their heads together and agree that in order not to spoil Sabrina's perfect wedding day, they're going to pretend all week that everything is just fine between them.
1: As in share a room?
0: Yep, plus a little PDA in front of the friend group, all of it.
1: Okay, so how do they manage that for an entire week? And do they get back together by the end of the book? Do Sabrina and part have the perfect wedding or does it all blow up? Most importantly, does Sabrina's dad get a good price on the house?
0: That is not the most important part. But you'll have to read Happy Place to find out all of that.
1: As we both did. We both did. So let's talk about what we thought of this book.
0: So the first category that we review is grip and grab. Does it pull you in and, mm-hmm. and make you not want to leave? And I was pulled in right away. I, the writing for this book, I thought, was at a much higher level than any simple romance novel. Mm. It was very rich, very good. She crafted this tale, and she wove it, and I was all in right away.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I gave it a 3.5 for grip and grab, and I think you did too, correct? I did. First of all, the setting is compelling. I mean, think about it. we just We just went over it. In a vacation house for a week, broken up five months ago and pretending that you're not, that's pretty compelling. She has to work a little to make the setup plausible, but she does you know, she does the work and I believed in it and, and I was pulled in. She's also really good, I thought, as a writer at maintaining focus. She sticks to the central story idea. She's got a few sidebars. But they never detract, they never pull you away from the main story. I also wanted to mention that she's really good at alternating the present, which is this week in the vacation cottage, and flashbacks. And she has this cool device where she calls all the uh, story present chapters, what does she call them? Re- Real life. Real life. And labels them by the day of the week. And then when she does a flashback, she calls it Happy Place and labels like what city it is. And I thought that was really cool because Happy Place. You think it's oh it's the vacation cottage but it's also that place in her mind that she, all those memories she has of how happy she was with when how happy she was with her best friends in college and it's just a great way to set off the flashbacks from the present
0: yeah I, and actually just as you were just saying that it, it's not just in her mind but it's in her heart and it's not uh, just a happy place but it's happy times and it's yeah. um i got a little teary thinking about how she was leaving college and looking forward to going to medical school and mm-hmm. crafting the life that she thought that she wanted and how hard it is, the, the life that she's actually in. But I also noted that um, one of the things that I really found interesting was the real life um, interspersed with the flashbacks and how she um, as she drew out the story with the flashbacks, you got a deeper understanding and the conflict in the story became more evident. And you really felt it.
1: So there, there's multiple levels to the title of the book, Happy Place. On the surface, it's the cottage. Oh, my dad's selling the cottage where they have all these great memories of building their friend group over the years. But then it it's, takes on all these other layers of um, happy place meaning with Win, happy place meaning with their friends and so on. So um, the book really did, did grab me and keep me in.
0: So what did you think for She Got Flair?
1: So She Got Flair is about writing style, and I scored her high on that. I gave it a four. (laughs) She's good with the sensory, first of all, particularly smell. Like here's an example, Cleo squeezes past Parth to hug me, her subdued lavender scent folding around me as her head tucks neatly beneath my chin. Uh, I also thought her dialogue was often funny and snappy and so on. I'll give you an audio example here. This is from what you, I guess, would call the meet cute. Apparently Wynne was already friends with some of the others in her friend group, and so he knew of Harriet, but they hadn't met yet. And they have this funny little scene where they meet for the first time. So let's listen to that.
2: The painting, he says thoughtfully. That looks like you. I instantly know which painting he must be referring to. The one of me and Sabrina strewn out like God and Adam, Cleo's old figure drawing final. It hung in Mattingly's art building for weeks. Dozens of strangers passing it daily— and I never felt so naked then as I do now. Very discreet way of letting me know you've seen my boobs, I say. Shit. He glances away, rubbing the back of his neck. I sort of forgot it was a nude. Words most women only ever dream of hearing, I say. I in no way forgot you were naked in the painting, he clarifies, I just forgot it might be weird to tell someone they look exactly the same as they do in a painting where they're not wearing clothes. This is going really well, I say. He groans and drags a hand down his face. I swear I'm normally better at this.
1: I don't know, I thought that was funny. I also felt like she's really good at describing feelings. She's got a million concrete expressions that she's made up. To describe, especially Harriet's strong feelings, and I came across a, a little comment she made in an interview. Remember, she, as you pointed out earlier in the in the episode today, she started out in young adult, and she said that she was originally drawn to writing young adult because she wanted to write in a space where sentiment was not quote this negative thing or that made it seem like you were failing in your writing if you were writing sentimental or hyper emotional, yeah. melodramatic and. I was actually a little surprised when I started this book. I'm like this, She's really writing emotion a lot and very strong. She's so good with how she's coming up with original ways. Here's one. He uses my name a lot. Every time it's like his voice plucks a too tight string in a piano deep in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And here's another one. All day long, my mind caught on him like a scar mm-hmm. in a record. And Here's a description of when she was drunk. Another nail pounds into the spot above my right eye. My stomach makes a noise like a possum who's both dying and in heat. (laughs) I mean, that's... I like that. She's putting some work into these expressions. Yes. Not all the writers we've looked at this year have put the work in. Yes. So I appreciate that. I gave her a four for flair. What did you give her?
0: I gave her a 4.5. So I had a couple of examples... um, So here's a quote. I retrieved my suitcase from the Dinky Airport's baggage carousel and emerged through the front doors feeling like a woman in a tampon commercial. Overjoyed, gorgeous, and impossibly comfortable, ready for any highly physical activity, including but not limited to bowling with friends or getting piggyback ride from the unobtrusively handsome guy hired by Central Casting to play my boyfriend. All that to say i am happy
1: well the funny thing about that going back to the point that i'm the only male reader apparently of this Mm -hmm. book in the world i still get the example even though i've never been a woman with a tampon i've seen women in tampon commercials you've
0: seen those commercials (laughs) you can't miss it here's another uh another example my parents answer the door looking like a tired norman rockwell painting mom's wearing an apron and dad's got a david Baldacci book in hand (laughs) An immediate confirmation that they were in separate rooms until three seconds ago. <laughs>
1: okay, a couple of things about that example. One, we just reviewed David Baldacci last, last episode. Yes, we did. So that, that little illusion of hers worked for me. Secondly, this is how you're supposed to do description. She's not just describing what she sees. She's connecting it to relations and characters with that yes. little line. An immediate confirmation they were in separate rooms until three seconds ago.
0: Yeah, we learn a lot.
1: Yeah, so she's. I gave her a high score for flair, and so did you.
0: Yes. So our next category is Beam Me Up. I was transported to this world, and this was one of the ones where I had a lot going on in my own life, and I listened mm-hmm. to the audio book. I listened on the airplane. I listened. Okay. <laughs> I listened while I was walking around the grocery store, and I was. Um. It it pulled me in so hard, beamed me up into this world that I really didn't. I wasn't all that interested in my own world at oh, the time. Okay. Unfortunately, I couldn't just go on vacation. So I gave Be Me Up a high score um, a So you four. are allowed
1: to read vacation books while you're still working.
0: I, I mean, as long as I can call it work, I'm allowed to do it.
1: So <laughs> you gave it a four. I gave it a three. I, she's just a good writer. She's, her main world here is the resort town in Maine. That was just so well drawn. I've never been there, but I felt like I'd been introduced to it. You know and that's fun they also have a couple of visits to montana where win is from and where his family is also well drawn good job for her on the world building i gave it a three
0: absolutely so what did you think about new best friends the next category
1: well i gave that a three i had mixed feeling about it you know going back to the main point she is a good writer so the characters are well drawn they're distinct they're believable and they're somewhat interesting and somewhat likable uh, I did feel it was a little bit too Friends for me. You know, the TV show Friends. I, mm-hmm. It's a group of upper middle class white people kind of stewing about their first world problems. Um, the characters are well drawn, but I wasn't like, I want to hang out with these people for the next five years. Mm. I also felt like Harriet, the main character, This I'll be interested to see what you think about this. I felt that she was a little maybe two dimensional rather than three. She's so... Intensively defined in terms of her feelings for her friends and her feelings about Wynne that I wasn't quite sure who she was. What was your thought about that?
0: So that's interesting because she—that's part of this book. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the character's arc in in this journey. She's trying to figure out who she actually is. This was strong for me. I gave this category a four. I identified strongly with this driven li- lead character where she set her sights on medical school and she never reevaluated. She never looked back even though it was hard. It wasn't easy. There's nothing mm. easy about it. But she did become not just a, a medical doctor, but a surgeon. And she just dug in and performed and learned and made it happen. And so I feel like she is, in the terms of the story, she's defined by her feelings for her friends and for Win, But she's also defined by this this path that she set for herself. And sometimes when you start, set her on a path, even if you are, quote-unquote, successful, it doesn't mean that that's the best thing for your life.
1: Again, I did feel like she was believable and likable. Maybe I should say she's two and a half dimensions, not not two. I did want to mention this. I don't know. Were you ever a little sort of irritated with her? Like, so here's when he broke up with her five months before, not a very good explanation of why. And then he just shows up at the vacation unexpectedly and wants them to be buddy-buddy. And apparently she's suffering the, the breakup more worse than he is. And strikingly to me, she never goes off on him. All we see is her desire for him, her memories of, and and all of that. She never actually gets irritated or even angry at him. Uh, here's a quote: "I curl against his side, his warm arms settling over me, his sweat and detergent and deodorant and toothpaste knitting together to cloak me in my favorite smell. Even now, even now, meaning after the five months after the breakup, even now, I'd buy wind-scented candles in bulk if I could." keep them long after the wicks had burned down until every last vapor faded from the glass.
0: But that's because she loves him. She's in love with him. She didn't want to break up with him. And she has guilt. Like that's part of the layering as you intersperse happy place and real life. You learn about her guilt about...
1: I get that. It's just surprising to me when somebody's that in love, like she's head over heels with him and he breaks it off with her. There's no anger. There's no lashing out. There's not even a, like a cross comment in his direction. It's kind of remarkable. Uh, another quote that sort of brings that out is this, I'll just read this. My heart is screaming, you, 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 as if I'm watching him fall into a pit. And yet I'm immobilized, unable to find a way to reach him. And she uses this phrase, you, 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 several times through the book. Yes. And it's it's kind of a, it's a romantic phrase, but it also indicates like, her intense focus outward.
0: And it's her choice.
1: At you, she, you, you. She wants to choose him. And I wanted to mention, I think this is coincidental. I came across that same phrase. Uh, we went to see Metropolis, yes. the famous 1927 silent film by Fritz Lang, in a big theater with a live organ. And so yes. I looked up the novel it was based on and I started reading it. The novel's by Thea von Harbu, who was his wife at the time, Fritz Lang's. And there it is. The main character, Freighter, right at the beginning, chapter one. The agony and the desire with which he called and called for the one single vision for which his racked heart had not even a name except the one eternal you, you, you. There it is. The, I'm like, what? So we went to the film. Hoping that they would use that phrase in this in the intertitles, and and the only phrase that came up was "you you." They didn't get to the three "u's." They didn't know. So I'm not saying that she lifted this phrase. No. From a 1925 or 6 novel, uh, it's probably coincidence, but it was it was a striking coincidence to me.
0: Yeah, it's very strong expression of what your heart wants.
1: Okay, so that's. Uh, the category of characters. I gave it a three, you gave it a four.
0: Yes. So the last char- uh, category is all the feels. Um, and this was strong f- for me too. I, I mean, I had this sense that I wish we could read it again mm. right away. It, it was a lot, but it was thorough and deep and authentic. And it, for me, it was a pure joy to read.
1: So I had a strong emotional reaction to the book. It looks like we both gave that category a four. Yes. I would say stronger emotional reaction than most of the books we've read this year. I think it's because the characters are well-drawn. Her storytelling is very good. And this unrelenting focus on Harriet's desire to be with Wynne. And you can't help but feel some of that with her. And I wanted to uh, draw in an audio example here of that. Okay, so this is when they're conversing after they're back together in the um, the cottage. And um, they're just asking each other if they're happy. She thinks about that for a bit. So here's the example.
2: And what can I say? That I'm not happy? That I've tried dating someone else and it was the emotional equivalent of binging on saltines when all I wanted was a real meal? Or that there are whole parts of the city I avoid because they remind me of those first few months in California when he still lived with me. That when I wake up too early to my screaming alarm, I still reach toward his side of the bed. Like if I can hold on to him for a minute, it won't be so hard to make it through another grueling day at the hospital in a never-ending series of grueling days. That I still wake from dreams of his head between my thighs and reach for my phone whenever something particularly ridiculous happens in the cozy mystery I'm reading, only to remember I can't tell him. That I spend more time trying not to think about him than actually thinking about anything. All that heady nostalgia and sweltering lust has become combustible, erupting into anger. Yes, Win, I say. I'm happy.
1: So there's a good uh, example of the emotional level of this book. Really strong.
0: Yeah, that, that, I, I I felt
1: it too. So
0: when you when it gets out that you're the only man reading all this stuff, and it's got a good emotional impact <laughs> on you, you're gonna you won't be the only one for long, maybe.
1: Well, I shouldn't be the only one. This is I don't care I don't care if it's women's fiction or men's fiction. I care if it's good fiction.
0: Absolutely, that's it.
1: That's that's one of the joys of this project is we're crashing through genre boundaries right and left. We're reading books we never would pick up. Absolutely. So I, I gave this a strong rating. We're going to look at the overall rating now. Yeah. And, and we're going to do something... A little different we're gonna we're gonna have a little pause for a spoiler alert and do talk about the ending because the ending has a lot of emotional impact too let's go ahead and review the uh, the overall rating now
0: all right so adding up each we each have five scores for a total of 10. when we add that up we have 37.5 points for a 3.75 rating which puts this book third in our review list so far this year behind lessons in chemistry at a 4.45 and just behind lee bardugo's hellbent at 3.9 by comparison happy place currently has an average score of 4.3 on amazon and storygraph and 4.2 on goodreads
1: let's do something a little different let's let's pause here and warn our listeners that we're going to talk about the ending. we yes. going to flat out talk about it, and then we'll do our sign-off. So if you haven't read it yet, we'll see you next episode, I hope. If you're reading the book, pause it here and come back. It's not going to be a long discussion, but we we want to say a few things about the ending, and then we'll do our regular sign-off. Yes. Okay, so the ending. I When I was thinking about all the feels, I did think about the ending because I had an emotional reaction that was not entirely positive to the ending.
0: Okay, let's hear it. And then I'll give you my feedback. So
1: here. he's he's in Montana on his woodworking business. She's in San Francisco, a resident becoming a surgeon. Okay, and that's the big problem. And when he tried to live in San Francisco with her, he became less and less happy over time. And he broke it off and he went to Montana and his business is actually thriving, He's doing great.
0: He's thriving in Montana and he was depressed and unhappy in San Francisco. Right.
1: So what do you do with that? Because this is a romance. Everybody expects them to be back together by the end. It would be very disappointing ending if they weren't. And of course, she doesn't disappoint us. It's how it's always about how they get together in the end. Right. Which is how does she do it?
0: Well, so it's complicated. I mean, first, before I say how she does it, I want to mm-hmm. see how she didn't do it. He did not tell her she had to leave her profession. He didn't say that. And it turns out that in, and I'm getting choked up a little bit again, in in breaking it off with her, it was, it seemed to me he was trying to be noble and mm. trying to, it was, it was an act of kindness. It was an act of love because she... Oh, because she had her career and she was establishing it and it just couldn't he couldn't make it work. But but he didn't want to take that away from her. So this is the opposite of some overbearing man saying you have to do X, Y, Z to please me. He instead laid down his love for her and set her free so that she could pursue it.
1: That was part of the problem that had to be worked out in the novel. She didn't know why he broke up. There's a breakdown in communication. So that's all very gradually handled in the course of the book. How do they end up together at the end?
0: Well, in the end, she realizes not. So again, this is complicated. It's not that she quit or left her profession for a man. Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable about that. I wouldn't be okay with that. But she did leave. I mean, it was sort of a...
1: It's like you're hesitating to say what happened. I know. That shows how problematic it is. She (sighs) left. She dropped out of med school. She's not actually in med school anymore. She's a resident. Right. She's being trained to be a surgeon, and she dropped it so she she could move to Montana and live with him with no career and no career prospects. Just say flat out how she ends the book.
0: But so... (laughs) That's the end of this novel. But for this character, that doesn't mean it's the end of her life. It's not like she's just going to start eating bonbons on the couch.
1: The last three words of the book are what? I don't remember. You, you, you. Okay. She is gone. She is, as much as Emily Henry tries to to paper it over, she's given up her identity in order to follow him to Montana where he has a business.
0: No! Totally disagree that she does not give up her identity. She simply says to herself, this is not working. I have no family. I have no friends in San Francisco. I'm I'm running myself ragged and, and this is not working for me. This is not life. And what's not stated, but I think is implicit and understood is that she can be a medical doctor in any state. She could just get licensed in Montana.
1: Okay. But let's, again, let's stay true to the text. What is implied that she's going to be doing there?
0: A fresh start. No,
1: making pots. That's that's what is set up here, that she she starts making pots, uh, ceramics, for a release, for relaxation. And that's like the only thing she wants to do. There's even a quote, I just want to have a life like I'm making pots all the time. But so, the- so she drops a, a profession as a surgeon to go to Montana to be with him where he has a a thriving furniture business, and make pots. It's never said in the book that she's going to use her MD. But it's
0: never said that she's not. I mean, really, like, and we talked about this off the the podcast too. I don't accept the idea that she's going to throw away her entire education to make pots. She's going to make a fresh start. And it's okay for this character to make that choice to be happy.
1: here's, Here's how the author tries to handle this she suggests that harriet is not happy becoming a surgeon that's fine then you're not giving up your career for your man you're giving up a career that you don't like however she spends very little time establishing that in the course of the book it's sort of it's just sort of hinted at here and there that needs to be built up more and maybe a, geez, even just a couple of sentences about what she might actually do In Montana. I didn't say that it was a bad ending. I said it was good, not great. Got it. That's all I'm saying. And it it affected my emotion a little bit because it was so entirely other focused on her part at the end.
0: So I did feel that there were enough clues about the Um, dismal quality of her situation in San Francisco alone with no friends with only work and it's mind-numbing hard 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 work like and maybe because I relate to that because of my own struggle to become a trial lawyer it's not the same as practicing medicine but it's it's intense and it's difficult and it's dismal sometimes
1: it's a good book yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the ending because yeah. it, I did have a reaction to it, and so did you. And yeah, it's such an important part of the book. So, so everybody, go out and read Happy Place. It uh, deserves to be up at the top of the list. And thank you for joining us. We will see you next episode when we review Only the Dead by Jack Hart, which is not women's fiction.
0: <laughs> no, it's not.
1: <laughs> and they probably will have some male readers besides hmm. me. Until then, keep dreaming, keep flying.
0: Keep laughing, keep crying.
1: And don't stop until you've read them all.